Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Doing things a little differently. We're treating every podcast like an emergency podcast. Ari and I had so much fun talking NCAA violations and brunch and foot massages and all that nonsense that uh, we figured let's do this every day. Scott, every day you had a foot massage? A foot massage? Oh, yeah, I've had them. They're let's great. go. <laughs> uh, I don't like people touching my feet. I'm sorry. Is that... I did challenge Andy over text. I said, how often are people ch- touching your feet where you even have to know? And he like hit me with the perfect dunk back. He said when he played football, they had to tape his ankles. I was like, okay, people have touched. Yeah, you had a, a different more. person yeah. touching your feet every day. Yeah, yeah. And, you got me on that one. Yeah. So well, we're joined by Scott Dockerman, the Athletics Iowa beat writer. We're, we're previewing the Big Ten media days because we were mostly SEC last week. You know, we got we to gotta hit the other, the other one of the power, too. So... This is uh this is going to be fun, and Scott, you are headed to Indianapolis tomorrow. Um, I'm very disappointed that Burger Study, the uh the burger place attached to to St. Elmo, has has closed, or well, same company as St. Elmo has closed. We had a fine fine meal there the last time we were all in Indianapolis together, but you're going to be there. Kevin Warren will be talking. This is maybe one of the two most powerful people in the sport. He just took USC and UCLA. They got a TV deal in the works coming. It's going to be massive. Do you think he's going to let us in on any of this stuff? At the podium? Probably not. Um, it's been, last year was really wild. It was as wordy, word salady as anything I've ever heard in my life. Word salad. And uh, it was, you really couldn't get a read on much of anything. And so my expectation is, probably right now, as we're all talking, and this is on YouTube, that he and about five other advisors at the Big Ten are going over the list of probable questions, and they're giving him non-answers to answer. So, <laughs> so that I would be very surprised if we get any kind of news coming from him from the podium. It might leak out of there a half hour beforehand, but uh, at the podium, he's just he's not as good as he is when he's one-on-one. That's yeah, he's sure. a much better... Some people are better off the record. Some people are better one-on-one. He's definitely better in the, in the small group. When you're in an official interview setting with him, I mean, he, he goes to the word salad immediately and, and you don't win friends with word salad, but it, he, he has some go-tos. Like you, you ask him about anything and he, he's going to come back to, to student athlete well-being and the, you know, just maximizing opportunities for, I'm like, it's like, I asked you if Apple TV is going to bid for your rights. Yeah. Like that doesn't have anything to do with this. Guys, so, I want to take some credit for something right now, though. About two it. years ago or like, I don't know, I'm, I'm losing track of time, but like six months or a year after Kevin Warren got the job as the commissioner of the Big Ten, uh, he was in Dallas and I drank a beer with him, Nicole, our back, Chris Fanini and Stuart Mandel. We were all at a table and I Man, pitched to table. him and I pitched to him. Big Ten Championship Las Vegas. <laughs> and guess what, guys? He's like, Big Ten Championship Pasadena. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he went up me. But hey, it wouldn't be that crazy now if there was going to be a little bit of a West Coast representation of the conference. And I'm not going to say that I'm the person that caused the Big Ten to expand, but you I'm should. saying that I'm the person that caused the Big Ten to I, expand. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you, you thought of that. I hope you got a cut. Yeah, what did what did Jim Delaney get as a bonus for the for the last TV to like twenty million bucks on on the way out? Uh, are you that that advice is worth at least fifteen million bucks? Yeah, I mean, well, I'd say at least one percent. One percent of uh, one point one billion dollars. You're, you're you're doing all right, man. Yeah, Heck I'll take yeah. you to the Saint Omo that's, that's still in business with that money. <laughs> or Harry and Izzy's. Yeah. That's the the Harry and Izzy's trick is the way to go because they do share a lot of the same dishes. The the shrimp cocktail is obviously the same. So what's the, the place that went, closed? I thought you meant Harry and Izzy's closed. Cause I went study. They had a burger place too. Oh. And delicious burgers. It, it was fantastic. Oh, I'm ashamed, and, uh, I'm ashamed to admit that I've never been and, there. That sucks. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was really nice, but uh, that, I think that was a victim of the pandemic, but I've never Harry actually eaten at St. Elmo. I've only eaten dinner at Harry and Izzy's, but I've had the shrimp cocktail at, at yeah. Harry and Izzy's and I've had a steak there. So can I tell people I ate at St. Elmo? It's very yeah. It's it's basically the same. Thing. Okay. And the last time I was at Harry and they did the spinatus, which is the like the most tender cut of the cow, and it was phenomenal. So 
This is where Purdue that, needs to be God. sending their recruits with the money instead of Chesapeake Seafood. Take them down to St. Elmo, get a <laughs> shrimp cocktail. Well, St. Elmo's a little ways from Knoxville, so that's that's your problem right there. No, Knoxville, I'm saying go Purdue's got to step up their game. Purdue is a long, like West Lafayette is a long way from Indianapolis. How far away is West Lafayette uh, from Indianapolis, and how far away is Bloomington? Um, is about Bloomington. a forty-minute drive. It's uh, about ninety minutes from Purdue to uh, Indianapolis. And how far and away about, is Knoxville from uh, Gatlinburg? It's about forty-five. Okay. So I, yeah. I doubled. That's it like bit. Bloomington. That's okay. Bloomington. Yeah, it'd be more like All right, Bloomington. So then change the analogy to Bloomington. Now I will tell you, there's a place in in Mooresville, Indiana, which is near Bloomington, but they have a place in India, or at least they did, called Squealers Barbecue, where they do deep fried biscuits as the bread that comes with your food. It's tremendous. It's, it is one of the best carb, you know, free carb, free bread situations. In the world, wow! Yeah, I saw the look on Ari's face. I was like, yeah, it's like I, I, I pulled a muscle on my neck when I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is tremendous, and they, they, do, they do a halfway decent brisket there. So, uh, Scott, you know, if, if you need need something like that, obviously you're going to be in walking distance of a lot of stuff. But just just making sure there will be a lot of football to talk mm-hmm. at, at Big. T- I know that the expansion is going to be on everybody's mind, but I don't know, Scott. You tell me. Do you think? The Big Ten needs to do anything or or will do anything until Notre Dame makes its mind about what it wants to do? Yeah, I do. I think there's going to be okay. a couple of things that will happen before Notre Dame says yay or nay, and, and one of which is the media rights deal. And I'm sure that they're going to have kind of uh, addendums, you know, posted to it that if yeah, we if should, this happens, yeah, then this accelerates or whatever. But they've got to get that done because it's it opens next year. Uh, so they're going to want to get everything in line. All the, the networks are going to want to promote it and, and take the windfall from that. And the other thing is they're going to have to decide for 2024, what's the scheduling makeup going to be in the big 10. And, uh, they're, they're going to stand pat, uh, until USC and UCLA come in, not junk divisions next year, and then re-junk in, uh, the schedule. So what they're going to do is, they're going to try to figure out should they go three six six like I know the SEC has discussed, mm-hmm. or just like two permanent rivals and cycle through a little bit more frequently. My guess is it's going to be three six six. It's such an easy. Uh, it's very option. elegant when you have sixteen teams to do it that way. It it really it works out nice because you get you get you get three permanent rivals, which gives you enough for everybody to have what they want, mm-hmm. and then you have twice every four years for everybody else. That. Right. Uh, it's the, the SEC thing that the idea that they would even ponder anything different if they're going to be 16 drives me insane because they, they were talking about doing the one mm. one seven thing if they did eight conference games. It's silly. Yeah, Big Ten already crazy. has nine conference games. This would be very easy to do. Exactly. And the, the only difference and the only hang up I, I think that the Big Ten has is there's probably not as many deep seated rivalries that matter in the Big Ten as there is in the SEC, where there's probably 19 or 20 that really stand out in the SEC. There's probably about 11 or 12. But you, you keep all the trophy games. Right. If you have three permanents, that would be the easiest thing. The one thing I think that they could do, like I was like Tennessee. Iowa has a ton of rivals. Um, mm-hmm. Not There's not one that you say that's their number one rival. And, but Minnesota, they played them for 130 years. Floyd of uh, Rosedale must be, must be handed out every year. Absolutely. It's the greatest traveling trophy in the world. Wisconsin-Iowa is the flagship rivalry of the Big Ten West. And then Nebraska-Iowa has turned into a, a really nice series. Uh, so if they go two, you know, it's kind of a Sophie's choice, if you will, of, of what rivalries you're going to get. Now, everybody else is different. I mean, Ari could probably talk about Ohio State. Ohio State has two that really stand out and, and want to play. What I would, I think would make sense is go every every four years, and then you could cycle through some other ones. Because, I mean, USC and UCLA aren't going to want to play Nebraska and Penn State every year until eternity. But right. at the end of four years, maybe – Penn State go, goes from Maryland to Rutgers or something like that is one of their permanents. Well, and, and I think like Penn State would like that because they they want to recruit both those areas that, you know, like my, I always joke the ideal Penn State recruiting classes, you get the number one player in New Jersey, the number one player in Pennsylvania, and the number one player in Maryland. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's the it. perfect Penn State recruiting class. Yeah, I don't know how you guys look at the rivalry thing because like it's interesting now that you bring up Iowa's and, and Scott, you're the perfect person to talk about this, but 
you know, you have you have three really good rivalry games or that you that you listed. And like as a casual observer of the Big Ten, like I don't know if you asked a thousand Iowa fans who's your rival, who they would like majority, like what would the majority be? Would it be, uh, would it be Wisconsin? Would been would have been my guess, um, but maybe that's just because Brett Bielema has an Iowa tattoo. <laughs> well, uh, uh, the, yeah, he does because he played there, you know, and he was he raised some hell out on the the bars back when he was here, but. It's interesting because I did that survey this summer and uh, Wisconsin won, but it wasn't decisive because Iowa State figures into that too. Yeah. Um, but Minnesota's its oldest rival. It used to be the most, the fiercest rival. Uh, Nebraska has grown. Nebraska is actually its most hated opponent. Because um, of the geography up. there? Because the fans really chirp at each other. They've got, you know, similar fan bases. One is uh, self-righteous. One is insecure. So that really doesn't work too well. <laughs> which one's which? <laughs> Pretty easy to find out. But uh, And then, then there's Iowa State, too, like in the central part of the state, the most populous part. it's uh, That is the big rivalry. So in some cases, eastern Iowa, where Iowa City is located, it's all about Big Ten. and it's So Iowa's got the most rivals of any college football program, without question, right? Five. No, They've got Auburn. five. How many it does Auburn, Auburn have? Auburn has them all. Yeah. Well, you have you have Alabama in the Iron Bowl, Georgia in the Deep South's oldest rivalry. Uh, they they got a nice thing going with LSU. They played Florida annually for decades before the divisional split messed it up, and they played Tennessee annually for decades until the divisional split messed that up. So, what so, I was going to say about the the Sophie's choices that some of these schools might have to be facing if you scrap divisions mm-hmm. is how like do you decide that based on which one has historically been going on the longest annually? Like, is that a good way to, to go about it, to preserve what's left of history? Or are we at the point now where that doesn't I even love, matter? I love that Iowa-Nebraska game on Black Friday. Like, I think that it's new, but it is one of my favorite parts of Black Friday now. Yeah. And and I think, you know, you, you also have to – fans don't do this, but they got to look at it from the eyes of the other schools. Like, in Nebraska's case, it's a new Big Ten member still, 10-plus years now. And Iowa's the only contiguous state that it has. So it, it's developed into a pretty decent rivalry. It's one-sided at this point. It won't be forever. Uh, but there aren't really any other teams that, it, that Nebraska would say, we got to play them every year. And and you look at some of the others, like Illinois or Purdue, you know, the, the – they play, they have in-state rivalries, they play each other, but it's not one that you just jump out. But Illinois and Purdue play for a cannon. It's pretty cool. And, and <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and Michigan, Michigan State's not, you know, that's ranks in the top two or three in the Big Ten. Penn State, Ohio State, when you're talking about TV executives, you need that game on the schedule every year. Uh, and then what, how do you filter in USC and UCLA? To me, I think you, you attach like USC to Penn State for four years and UCLA to, to uh, Nebraska for four years. Two of the newer teams. And really, mm-hmm. I think there are some similarities there. I think that might that generate a lot of ratings as well as I, Yeah, U, USC, you, you attach them to either Penn State, Michigan, or Ohio State, and possibly two of them mm-hmm. if you could, because those are going to be monster mm-hmm. rating games. Those, those are going to be huge. Now, I will ask you, Scott, your preference. Paul Bunyan trophy, Paul Bunyan's axe. Axe, no question. Of course. That is the I don't coolest. know if there's anybody on the face of the earth that wouldn't go axe on that one. Well, you know. I, I always look in that opening scene and the sequence of the Sopranos when, uh, you know, yeah. Tony Soprano's driving through and there's like this sign. And I always think that's Paul uh, Bunyan's trophy right there. And I don't, and I have to rewind it to look at it again. But man, it was, it was like, wow, they got that trophy in there. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Scott, you mentioned the the TV deal and and you and I have talked a lot about this thing. Mm -hmm. And what do we think it's going to look like? Obviously, Fox is still going to get the the pick of the litter. So they're going to have the big noon Saturday game. You're going to have inventory on the Big Ten Network. Do we still assume something's going to ESPN? And is there another package out there? Because adding two schools basically allows you to add a game. Uh, My math was corrected after the last time because, as we know, this is a bad at math podcast. Adding two schools basically allows you to add a one game a week package if you wanted to. And maybe and a little bit more because of non-conference. But is that where maybe a CBS slides in? From what I was told from the very beginning or when this really started before it ramped up was the Big Ten was going to look at getting two kind of primary linear channels and two primary cable channels. And so that would be Fox and either CBS or NBC and then uh, also, you know, it has FS1, BTN, but probably like in the neighborhood of an ESPN. My guess is, you, don't you still want to have your toe just slightly in the ESPN water, even if that means that they get, you know, a Purdue, Iowa, or Indiana, Michigan State game on ESPN2 at 11 a.m. or noon Eastern? Um, and then I, I think I you think want your so. basketball games on ESPN as well. I think that yeah. that's important too. And it's the big 10 has been on ESPN every year since 1989 and it's been on ABC every year since 1987. So there is a long standing relationship there. And the low and then, tier big 10 games that are on ESPN two at 11 AM are kind of like a tradition. Yeah. It's like, it's like something that I have always enjoyed watching. Well, exactly. You got five other games and including one on big Fox. And if you're not watching, you know, Michigan state play Penn or Ohio state, uh, but but you still might want to watch Illinois versus uh, Wisconsin or something like that. Sure. And then, as you mentioned, basketball, it's not the primary motivation of this. But but the Big Ten gets a lot of good ratings for basketball on their Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, and that, that's that's where people go to watch college basketball on weeknights. Yeah. They're not trained to go really anywhere else. So but the yeah, you're right. The the football part of it is is the first and foremost. And I do think the the world has changed because when they lasted a deal in 2016, you had to have some games on ESPN because ESPN wouldn't talk about you otherwise. Now, you don't. I mean, the, the, the conversation for college football is driven in a lot of different places. It's not college football live or anything like that. It is here. It is on Twitter. It is on Instagram. You can do it almost anywhere. So... You don't have to have ESPN if you're the Big Ten, but uh, Kyle, by the way, says it feels like blasphemy for the for CBS to pick up a Big Ten game in the three thirty time slot. Well, that I mean, the SEC left because CBS didn't want to redo the deal when the SEC added Texas A&M and Missouri, and they're like, oh, "No, we're good paying really low prices for this thing." And the SEC's like, "Great, we'll never give it to you again. Thanks, mm-hmm. bye." And so now. It's not okay, Scott. If let's say they sold to one network, whether it's CBS, NBC, you know, over the air type network, what choice game is that? Is that number three, number four? 
how they do the draft currently is that they kind of go almost every other one with uh, uh, with the ESPN family and networks and Fox. Fox always gets number one. And then there's somewhere, and I, I don't know specifically like which numbers, but it's like one, two, three, and four, then five. They draft the weekend in a lot of cases as number one. And then with the 12 days, then they decide which is the number one game. Uh, like this year, you know, Fox got number one. It went Ohio State, Michigan, but ESPN got number two, which uh, went Ohio State, Notre Dame. Right. And so my anticipation is that's kind of the way they're going to be. BTN actually drafts as its own entity. And so it has to be strategic. And like it, it actually drafts Iowa, Nebraska every year first, which is I think their pick is somewhere in the mid teens. And because they can build their whole day around it. And last year, when you almost get 2 million viewers for a BTN game, uh, it was well worth their while. So that that's kind of about how it'll shape up when you have, you know, a, maybe a, you know, that's, we haven't talked about it, but you might get an Apple involved or an Amazon, probably more likely Amazon. And now that, as you mentioned, there are two more teams coming it, in. It, is that your Friday night at UCLA or, mm. or at Purdue or at Illinois or at Rutgers when it's a mega power, you know, Michigan, Ohio State, one of those coming to them? I think so. I think it's a perfect spot for it. FS1 has kind of taken that over the years. I don't know if they'll still be a part of it. But, uh, you know, that that to me is is what where it's kind of going because Friday night still has a void. And I know coaches absolutely hate it because of recruiting purposes and, and uh, going all over their, their high school kids. But that's when I know when I'm in a hotel and I'm on the road, especially, but even when I'm home, it's like, all right, I want to see a game and, and no offense to the American. I, I'd rather see a big 10 game, even among, you know, Illinois, Maryland. I'd rather watch that. Game right. And that's, that's why I think those games are often the most entertaining. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because it's the biggest game, like road favorite on a weeknight is the worst bet in America mm-hmm. because it is the biggest deal at the home campus that, that probably any game will be all year. And so they're going to be really hyped. They know that the whole country is basically watching. I, I love those games. And so, yeah, if they, if they can do that, I'm, I'm all for it. That's, that's when I'll be clicking on Amazon prime or, or whatever it is they, they put them on. Uh, I've said, that's what the big 12 should do. I, I, I think the big 12 should try to own Friday night with its new version of the league, because they're going to be so evenly matched they're going to have a lot of fun games. And so if you can go 6 p.m. Eastern time, Oklahoma State at UCF, and then throw it to Provo at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time for Cincinnati BYU or, or TCU BYU, something like that, like that's going to be entertaining. And mm-hmm. now, if you got Ohio State at Illinois, more people are going to watch that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Last year I went to Maryland and Maryland was four and oh, they had a blackout, all the black uniforms. Uh, it was, and then they turned the ball over 7,000 times. <laughs> Scott, do you want to know something? That was the night my daughter was born. Wow. Congratulations. And I was watching that game in the hospital. Do you want to know something? And I don't Scott? think I've that ever was the day seen... I was born 43 years earlier. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever seen a team play worse football in my entire life. They were not very disciplined, and they tried to make up for it by throwing it all over the field against a team that's uh, that's built to, to take advantage of that. And was that like the most thorough ass kicking in college football last year? <laughs> it might have been. Very I think close. it was what six interceptions. I want to say it was so. I felt it, was, I, it got to the point where it was where like, like when I, I play bad. my son on Madden, and he jumps out to an early lead, and I'm just throwing four verts every play, trying to get back <laughs> in the game. That's basically what it was. <laughs> it was like Drago Apollo after about, oh, you know. The first and the funniest quarter. thing about yeah, that game, no! too, not that I fell victim to this, yeah. wink, but it was like the Maryland was like the play of the week for multiple sharps that week, too. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? My baby's sleeping. Everyone's healthy. We're relieved. Brits is in a coma on the bed, just, you know, trying to, you know, uh, you know, recharge her batteries after a pretty long day of, of giving birth. And I was like, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to watch this game, throw a few shekels on Maryland. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Speaking of, of throwing shekels on teams and, and them disappointing you, let's talk some actual football. This is, this is our Big Ten Media Days preview. So I want to put this to the class. Will this be Scott Frost's last Big Ten Media Days as Nebraska's coach? 
Do you want to start, Ari, or you want me to? Uh, I I don't even know where to begin. Uh, I I, thought I thought I don't even know. Like, you know what the thing about the Big Ten is, and and I'll let you take it away, Scott. Is that there are multiple teams, um, even the teams that are pretty good, where I have a hard time determining what their fan base is and what their administration view of success. It's just like, will Scott Frost be the head coach? Uh, going into the following season. It's like, well, what does Nebraska absolutely have to do in your mind in order to to, to do that? Do they have to win nine games this year for him to save his job? Like, or do they have to win seven and look competent? Like, I don't even know like what the what the expectation is. Any sort of improvement whatsoever? And I know that you love to throw that stat around, Andy, of like how they lost five or six games last year by a combined six points or whatever it was. Uh, a lot of two, three-point losses. Um, but... Like to me, it's just like how do you define that first, well, and, and, and then I'll our, tell you whether or not I think they'll be able to do it. As our friend Bill Connolly from ESPN said when he did his Nebraska preview, sometimes when the same thing keeps happening to you, it's not bad luck; it's you, and that's that's the question that we're going to have answered pretty quick. Now, you got Mark Whipple taking over the offense, Pat Narduzzi complaining about Mark Whipple last year, even though Mark Whipple helped them win an ACC title at Pitt, uh, but. We don't know how much – it sounds like Scott Frost is, is letting Mark Ripple pretty much control the offense. So that's a that's a big change. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and watching this team uh, for the last four years, and when Scott Frost came – I mean, Andy, you're, you live down in Florida. I mean, it was literally the prodigal son coming home. As much as Harbaugh was, it was that times 10 in yeah. Nebraska. It was like finally – he was the guy everybody wanted that offseason. And everybody said, well, uh, obviously he's going to Nebraska, but, you know, if we could – and there was a bunch of jobs open. That was Florida, yeah. Tennessee, Florida State. There were a bunch of bunch of jobs open that everybody would have been thrilled to get him at that point. He was – I mean, he came in. He didn't even have to touch the ground. I mean, they loved him that much. And, and uh, if he was any other coach, he would have been fired already especially in Nebraska. I mean, four straight losing seasons. I mean, they haven't been bowl eligible since 2016. And that's crazy for that program. And so the mistakes that they consistently make in special teams and dumb penalties in fundamentals, it really, it it takes away their recruiting advantage because they actually, you know, you look over there at the players they have versus most teams in the West, frankly, and especially in the skill positions, you're like, okay, wow, they, they should be able to line it up and do something. And they find more ways to lose because they consistently make stupid plays. And they're, they, need to, they need to be bull eligible for, before they hit November, let's be honest. Uh, their first game will tell us a lot. They play Northwestern and Dublin. And they should the win. One that. team they beat in Big Ten play last year. And right. also, Andy was really quick to point out that we should be betting uh, on Nebraska in that game a few weeks ago. And I was kind of stunned did by I, that. Did I say that? When did I, I say that? I said, well, we're going to have a bet for week zero. And you're like, well, wow, Nebraska, baby. And I thought you <laughs> meant like that was like an easy bet. I meant you. that Nebraska's in the game. Oh, I didn't okay. Because I, I pushed Nebraska. back on it. I was just like, uh, I'm not betting on anything that has anything to do with Nebraska. No, no. Because yeah. this is an even year. So Northwestern's supposed to be good in even years. That's that's how these things work. So uh, maybe maybe that's our foot massage bet, where if I lose, <laughs> I have to get a foot massage. With you. <laughs> I don't I, I mean, Okay. And then we can make a, ba- a bet later where if I lose, I have to eat at a buffet that's only lobster. That's terrible. Ah. Oh, you see what I'm saying? saying like, I will you, love this so much. You, that you get to lose and then you're rewarded. <laughs> I'm not rewarded by having someone touch my feet. That sounds Scott, like a nightmare. Did you like your foot massages? Um, yeah, a little bit. Now I have very thin feet. I have like bony feet. So it doesn't feel as good as it does for somebody with maybe bigger, thicker oh. feet. But uh, I get I get a back massage. So your Fred Flintstone feet, Ari, it's, it's right up your alley. I actually alley. don't have big feet at all. I, I wear a size nine and a half. We, we have talked about your hands. So... Yeah, but uh, you know that's three podcasts in a row that Ari has shown his hands to the camera. Well, I refilled. I refilled my foot size nine and a half. Freak. There you go. Yeah, I, I'm a thirteen. So I'm in the oh middle. Boy. Oh boy, eleven and eleven and a half. But got a lot. A lot of Andy's lot a thirteen. Of everyone <laughs> got, got a lot of work for that person to to get up to the top there. Uh, but all right, so Nebraska. Mm-hmm. Mitch Sherman and I have talked about this a yeah. lot. Our, our Nebraska beat writer at the Athletic. There's basically a deadline on this thing. Mm-hmm. And so his buyout drops 
after the Indiana game on October 1st. And so we'll have a pretty good idea of what's going on. Now, they, they've got Northwestern, North Dakota, Georgia Southern. If they get past Northwestern in Dublin, yeah. they're probably 3-0 going to the Oklahoma game. Right. They played Oklahoma tough last mm-hmm. year, but and we don't know what Oklahoma is going to be. I I think Oklahoma is going to be pretty good under Brent Menables and and with Dylan Gabriel and all that. But we don't know what Indiana is going to be. They're a you know they had a horrible year last year. Michael Penix is now at Washington. Connor Bazelak comes in from Missouri mm-hmm. to take over quarterback. Uh, but it, it's going to be really how you do in these games. But post October first, they can make the decision. At Rutgers, at Purdue, Illinois. Like those are games Nebraska should historically win. But at Purdue, we know this year is not going to be an easy game at all. Aiden O'Connell, mm-hmm. maybe the second is Aiden O'Connell the second best QB in the Big Ten behind CJ Stroud? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, definitely. And uh they've lost to Purdue you know, several years in a row now. Yeah. I mean, three or four or something like that. It's on the road. West Lafayette traditionally hasn't been that much of a, a hellscape, but they're, I think they've renewed season tickets at like 93%. Oh, they're excited so, for this year and they got Penn yeah. state to open. Like it's, mm-hmm. they, they could be hopping. And so mm-hmm. Purdue's my team in the big 10 that if they win their opener, like we'd be talking about them going deep into October because they could be, I think it's either six and oh or seven and oh, based on how their schedule plays out. They got to yeah. beat Penn state. That's a big if, mm-hmm. but I mean, it, th- that's not the team, if you're Nebraska, you want to be facing in that, yeah. that situation. Because they throw the ball so often, it, it's really hard for them. They're a Big 12 caliber type offense, and that's really tough for them. But, you know, like with Nebraska, they finished the season with Minnesota at home, and, and they are going to be, you know, a steamroller up front. I mean, you know, with Mo Ibrahim back, they're going to yep. be very difficult. Tanner to- Morgan back for year 57. Yeah. And if he's like he was when Kirk Soraka was there in 19, and now he's back, they could be very good. Chris Hoffman Bell's back for sixth year. I mean, they're they're legitimate. They've got most of their pass catchers back, so they're they're probably that number three team in the West that's got potential to move up. Then uh, Nebraska goes to Michigan, home against Wisconsin, and then on short rest goes to Iowa. So they could, if they're six and two, then then you're looking at six and six with an offer in November, is that good enough for him to keep his job? Uh, I mean, maybe they win one of those games. They got to win a rivalry game once in a while because Iowa, they've lost every year seven straight. And I think I want to say nine straight to Wisconsin. So So this is the year they stopped grading on a curve because Scott Frost is a Nebraska guy, right? Yeah, they need to. And this is the whole thing is that the fan base really put their heart into him. Whereas with Mike Riley or any other coach, it's, you know, you kind of reach that point and then you just say, okay, fine, we're going to cut bait. But they wanted him. They, he was one of them. They love him and everything, you know, it just has not worked out. And they've had, they've cut bait on a lot of coaches. And uh, now here they are with, you know, Mickey Turner, Mark Whipple, a lot of other, you know, other coaches that this is the final year, I think. I think, it, and I don't know if six and six will do it. I just, that's a place that they cut Bo Pelini after he was, Nine and four or ten and four yeah. every year. And Mike well, I mean, Riley, if Nebraska that year is the team that they either. hope. If Nebraska is the team that their fans hope they should be, then they probably should be eight and one, right? Yeah, should I she? mean, like the only game that they they absolutely are probably going to lose is at Oklahoma, right? Yeah, yeah, and that one's in Lincoln this time. So oh, it's in Lincoln, but so the, even but better. Still. You know, and new coach going to Lincoln. It'll be full. They'll be loud, and you know, no balloons this year. But uh, you know, maybe and helium shortage. You know. <laughs> exactly. But when you hit that month of, of uh, November, I mean, you, you're going to be playing all four of those teams. Slug it out. I mean, Minnesota, yeah. Michigan, yeah. Wisconsin, Iowa. And if your defense is not built for that, you will get ran over, and it will be ugly. I mean, I feel like eight and four with a three-game losing streak to close out the year is passable, right? Yes, I think that'd be all right. Yeah. Given, given what's happened, I, I think they're okay with that, but they're going to need some trajectory. And you also have to remember how excited they would be at eight and one and then to finish off correct. three. I mean, that would be a, a gut punch too. But, you know, I feel like maybe we're at the win the games you're supposed to phase of Nebraska football at least because yeah. that's not something that you could always say. And I think winning the games you're supposed to get you at eight and four, which I think is probably the benchmark of what I would expect from an improved program headed mm-hmm. in the direction that Scott Frost was supposedly taking them. 
Exactly. We'll be right back after these words. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. Let's talk about the coach who's always been really good at winning the games he's supposed to, has rarely been good at winning the games he's not supposed to, but last year he did. Jim Harbaugh. It's and, and it's funny because it's it's he's not the lightning rod that he used to be. It used to be Ari and I could just go Jim Harbaugh and and talk and that was a <laughs> podcast. But it's not like that anymore. He got over the hump, he beat Ohio State, but Loses both coordinators. Josh Gaddis, Josh Gaddis goes to Miami. Mike McDonald goes back to the Baltimore Ravens, which it, it seemed like he was on loan to yeah. them. Like, hey, let's see if you can call plays. <laughs> oh, you can? Great. Now, now we'll take you there. Yeah. So, so now Jim Harbaugh is back. He shot his shot for the NFL. That didn't happen. And so now you must be competitive. Is that going to happen? Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of feel like Michigan even, I mean, maybe just we'll say going into last year was kind of in the same position as Nebraska was in terms of emotional connection to their head coach. I mean, would you say that's fair, Dockerman? Absolutely. Like, like I mean, like they they didn't want to get to the point where they wanted to, you know, move on from him because they were so emotionally connected to one of them, mm-hmm. you know, coming back and saving the program. And it took a long time for them to get there. And now that they got there and they beat the crap out of Ohio state, which gives you a bonus point. You didn't just win, yes. but you, you dominated the game. Um, and then you make the playoff, you know, you're supposed to believe that they're turning the page and are going to be a perennial contender to, to win in the college football playoff as the next step, not just make it, you know? And the question that I really have always had at the risk of sounding like an Ohio state Homer uh, but is the question for Michigan is, did they just get Ohio State in their worst year or at their worst time? And did they have their best team coincidentally at the same crossroads? Or do you think that Michigan is actually as good as they were last year on a consistent basis enough to compete with Ohio State and to win the Big Ten moving forward? And I think I would probably lean towards the first option on that one. Like, I don't know how good they are for in terms of like expecting that result year over year. I think they are in contention to be the second best team in the big 10. I I do not think that they are any, they're not in the same stratosphere as Ohio state going in. I think they are with Iowa, Wisconsin, Penn state, Michigan state as who's the next best team. Now they have maybe the most advantageous schedule in a lot of ways. They, they have four straight games to open at home. But then they got to go to Iowa City, where they haven't won since 2005. And we know that, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be quite as big of a blowout as it was in, in Indianapolis when, when you're in, in that stake pit. So uh, losing the players they lost, Ojabo and Hutchinson, who Hutchinson was the college equivalent of J.J. Watt to me. I mean, when J.J. Watt played for Wisconsin, he was the heartbeat and he was the physical heartbeat. And Hutchinson played the same type of game. And, and then they lost a lot on overall on their defense. I think they only have one guy up front back, uh, you know, losing Dax Hill and Vincent Gray and Josh Ross. They were such a collective unit on defense, with, and they only have four returnees. I think they'll still be good, and I think that their schedule sets up for them. I think they play both – yeah, they play Michigan State and Penn State at home. That I st- in, in consecutive weeks. Like, if they split those games, you look at the rest of the way, if they split those games and are competitive against Ohio State – I think that's a perfectly fine season. But we have them. to define good. Like Michigan is always good. Mm-hmm. Right. Nobody ever thinks and, and they're not good. It's about whether or not they're good enough 
for what the fans and the administration expect from Jim Harbaugh. It's like, do I think Michigan can win nine or 10 games this year? Absolutely. Do I think one of their losses could be another 37 point loss to Ohio state? Absolutely. And it's just kind of like the idea of, um, you but know, Ohio state may do that to everybody this year. Or that, well, no, that's I'm just saying fear. like, well, if, if the previous five, six years before last year become the norm again, it's like how many more years in a row can Harbaugh lose to Ohio state again before it becomes an issue to him? I think here, here's what I think with, with Michigan, Ohio state, and now how they can measure up from this day forward. This year is not a good year for that, at least right now, because the offense at Ohio state is far superior to everybody in the big 10 and it's not close. But when CJ Stroud goes to the NFL and when, when Smith Jigba goes to the NFL and, then they recycle to kind of the same way Michigan is on defense now. It's, it's like so it's Alabama year. last year. Like last year was the year to get Alabama and Georgia got them. Mm-hmm. Not the first time, but the second time. Yeah. And I don't think anybody's getting Alabama this year. Like same thing in the Big Ten. I don't think anybody's getting Ohio State this so year. So if you think about it in this terms, and I'll ask you this, Scott, how many times does Michigan need to win the Big Ten and beat Ohio State along the way a decade for it to be a successful program for them? Four. They are a far long way from that being real. That's a right. lot. Four if, is if, a lot. If, well, if you start today, I mean, yeah, no, if, if you take it 10 years down the road yeah. right now, yeah. I would bet my entire livelihood that they're not going to win three out of the next 10. Okay. Well, your entire livelihood. Yeah. Wow. That's, I, I, I mean, guess, looking well, at I mean, the early a, returns a of who they're bringing into the program. When USC doesn't make the playoff in three years. <laughs> yeah. No, um, I mean, like, I guess if you give so, and, are you saying that they're one and zero right now? Like starting with you that say, one, you could say zero and zero. Then absolutely. Yeah. Now, if okay. you want to say because you're saying you're going to play basically 500 football, not mm-hmm. you're saying that you're saying you're that's your metric for what to to. I would say two or three would be successful. Mm-hmm. Three, I, I think three I, is the high end. I, I don't I, think I, if you're I, Michigan, I, I don't think you okay. accept that. Well, they've been think, accepting it for the past two decades, so well, why would they, that change they, now? They, well, they really haven't. That's the thing. I mean, they try. They they recycled their coaches. They went from when they had uh, uh, oh, what's his oh gosh dang it you know the the coach after Gary Moeller, Rich Rod, uh, oh, Lloyd, oh, Lloyd, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr, Carr. Yeah, yeah, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr. Carr, and then Rich Rod, and then Brady you know, Hoke, and and Jim Tressels flipped it, but Lloyd was able to compete. Then when they went from to Rich Rod and then Brady Hoke, they nosedived where Ohio State ran. Isn't up. it kind of crazy to think though that the Lloyd Carr, Brady Hoke years was like, I mean, the Lloyd Carr days are like 20 years ago now. Well, like it, it, see, it doesn't seem that long ago because when we were younger yeah. and, and consuming football, like it's such a fresh memory for me. Yeah, still, Lloyd, Lloyd Carr retired time 15 ago. years ago. But I will argue that more important than anything Michigan did in terms of hiring, firing coaches, Urban Meyer coming to sure. Ohio State. Yeah. Set but as a rival, a path, you match yeah. that. Yeah. As a rival, you have to match that, right? Yeah. Or you're and, not a rivalry. And you know, we that that the thing is, Harbaugh built it, almost got there in sixteen. I mean, a fraction of an inch, mm-hmm. the difference, and then it fell off. And you know what? The biggest reason for that was quarterback. That's he had no oh. quarterback. You know? <laughs> What's that? A bad spot. <laughs> yeah, bad, bad spot. But you know, and, and then twenty twenty, he, you know, frankly, he lucked out not playing Ohio State and Iowa to finish the season because he may not have yeah. been there in twenty twenty one. Yeah. Um, cause that's the thing to me that you answer that question. If you think it's four, then I think they have a long ways to go in order to get to that point. I think if it's two or three and you count last year and you know, he has a year or two to kind of try to build it back up again and then get Ohio state when there's some turnover, I, like you said, but like the problem yeah. with the idea of thinking the way that you just thought in terms of, well, when CJ Stroud and Jackson Smith and Jigba and Trey Henderson go pro, it's just like, they've got four or five at those positions, marinating behind the scenes in order to take over. Like CJ Stroud was supposed to be this huge drop off from Justin Fields. And then all of a sudden, like now he's the Heisman favorite. And it's just like, that's the way it works when you recruit at their level in Michigan. And, and I'm not trying to drag everybody down into a redundant stars matter discussion, but like Michigan is not anywhere close to bringing in the level of talent. And I think like if you look at the draft picks over the course of the past eight years, like Ohio State has like times five them. uh, I don't know what the mathematical term is for five times more first round draft picks. Well, let let me ask you this, Ari, because this team got smoked by Ohio State last year, but did beat Michigan and is trying to follow your stars matter blueprint. Mm -hmm. Maybe not as successfully as they'd like at the outset, but they are certainly trying what do you think Michigan State's going to be? 
Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I think that if they continue to recruit at a higher level, which they have been, you know, there's no question um, that they are going to be better in a tough out. Like Michigan State's always a tough out. I would say that Michigan State is a much tougher out for Ohio State in the past 10 years than Michigan ever was, you know? So um, they are recruiting. Them and Penn State are kind of like back and forth between who's the second best recruiting team in the Big Ten. And I do believe that that always kind of plays out on the field. So, you know, I'm I'm just really, really stunned by by how poorly Michigan's recruiting right now. You know, well, it's like maybe maybe he tried to take the NFL job and that's what torpedoed the whole effort. But, you know, their class is a is a bottom half of a Big Ten class right now. And maybe they'll they'll save the day before the end of the of the cycle here. But man, it's it's rough. And Michigan State at the same time is transcending into this team that's that's recruiting nationally and getting five star prospects from Massachusetts on campus. And I think they're finding out right now that it's hard to get them. <laughs> but getting right. them on campus is the but first step. Yeah, and they're doing much better than Alabama they and Ohio State and, and Georgia for players. Yeah. It's hard. But they're they're the best at it for a reason. But uh Nick Terry with with a good question on YouTube that you you've made the point since even before you came to the athletic that Ohio state and Michigan weren't really a rivalry anymore because Ohio state was so dominant. Does what happened last year, make it a rivalry again, or does Michigan have to win a few more? I think they have to win it again. Like, I mean, I I'll tell you right now, cause I know this for a fact, like Ryan day is insane right now behind the scenes. Like, I mean, everybody in Columbus is like completely and utterly, uh, transfixed on making sure that that doesn't happen again. And and when you get that type of Ohio State team, that's usually a rough combination for Michigan. But, you know, I, I do think that, you know, for me, I wrote the, and it was one of the best stories or most well-read stories I've written at The Athletic was when I wrote the column after the game that you and I were at together. What year was that? The Michigan game in Ann Arbor? 2018. Was it 18 at this? Jeez, I got time's flying. No, it would be 20. Was it? Or was It It might have been 18. It might have been 2019. I was, I was at The Athletic already, so it was 2019. Yes, yes. Um, and I wrote a column afterwards about how the rivalry was dead from that stadium as a result of it. And I guess, you know, things can come back to life. And it certainly brought back some juice, for sure, you know. And it wasn't just losing to them or you know coming short in a close game like they got their butts kicked in a physical manner um so like to that that to me i think is a a, a certainly a, a bigger step in that direction but that you know, the, the way the rivalry is, beat ohio state makes me very excited yeah. to see that game this year very yeah because excited. ohio state was soft last year and you have to be able to i mean they they hired an entirely new defensive staff except for a few spots um and they're recruiting the positions that kind of caused that a little bit better than they have um, but like recruiting or the rivalry to me is a year round thing now in 2022. Like, if, is it a rivalry because Jim Harbaugh beat Ohio State on the field? Yeah, sure, it's, it's always going to be a rivalry. But like, is Michigan holding up their end of the bargain on July 7th uh, when there's a kid making a decision that's down to those three or four schools? In fact, I think you can make the case that Michigan's not really even involved with a lot of recruitments that Ohio State's in, let alone losing to that or winning those battles. Right. So Michigan State's at least trying to get those guys on campus. At least Michigan State's like actually involved in, in recruiting yeah. players that Ohio State's interested in. I just feel like Michigan's off in La La Land right now. So, you know, and I don't know what the reason for that is. Maybe it's it's Harbaugh was clearly uh, interested in taking an NFL job. And, and you know what, guys? And, I, and I, I think I said this on the podcast before, but I think that Harbaugh wanted to take the NFL job so that he could get get out of the situation and go out a winner. Because I oh, think he knows 100%. in his heart that this isn't going to be an easy proposition. And if people are expecting this to be the result, like I, I don't know that they're they now all of a sudden pulled themselves out of the situation they were in, which was you know, but not being in the same category as Ohio State for the previous five, six, seven years. Um, and if the expectation or the thought is that Michigan's ready to beat them routinely, I think he knows in his heart that's not what's going to happen. And, uh, you know, go out while you can. So, you know, a very four times in a decade, I think would be a resounding success. And I would pay him. And if you could find a coach at Michigan who could beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten three or four times a decade, I think that he is worth every bit as much money as the other coaches in the Big Ten who just commanded $100 million extensions. Before we move on to the to the Big Ten West, because I, I have some questions for Scott, my initial question was going to be, can Iowa throw the ball? But I, I feel like we need to go a little bit deeper into the West. I, I want to answer Tantar 99's question. Does Andy color his hair? It's unnaturally dark. <laughs> uh, do I you? think I do not. I intend I to go gray gracefully. I intend to just let it go. And it's going to it's gonna go here in the next, I'd say, two, three years. Mm -hmm. So no no Coach K for do me. Do you have grays? I don't even see a gray. I do have grays in my sideburns. No, it's it, what is going on right now is 
there is a storm, like a biblical deluge outside <laughs> my house. And so everything outside is very dark. I have the light set up for, it was a little bit lighter when I started. And so now the dark part outside makes the light weird. So ev everything looks darker here. So yeah, no, if we, if we get the, the close up, no, you will see the grays in my sideburns. It's coming. No just for men for me, unless just for men wants to sponsor the podcast <laughs> that I will make an exception for. If you want to sponsor the podcast, I'll die at whatever color. I'm starting to get grays on my sides, on the sides of my head. So oh, yeah. it's happening to me too. Oh, you get um, married, you have a kid in the same year. That's 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 enough. Listen, to guys, you go we're going to be doing the YouTube live uh, podcast episodes moving forward. Uh, so if you want to ask the hard hitting questions while we're in the middle of recording, like is Andy's Dracula hair dyed? Uh, you can come in and do it. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Like Corna uh, BC wants to know if uh, if Wazi is a preferred nickname for you. He, he thinks Wazi would be a great nickname for you. Uh, what's you, the uh, person who, who wrote that? What's the person's name? Corna <laughs> BC. Oh, I don't know. Some people in high know. school used to call me Wazi. Wazi. So I didn't know if it's somebody from my high school. I you don't look like a Wazi to me. I know it it it, it was a. Uh, it wasn't something that that and you and, and you don't look like a person who who I would call by your last name. Like a lot of people call me by my last name. Yeah, your last name doesn't lend. Like I, I called Doctorman call Doctorman on the show, and it felt weird. He's a Scott. I've I've been Doc as long as my life. As exactly, long as I've been born. you got to be a Doc. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you know, so you're very knowledgeable. You're calm all the time. Like yeah. That, I got You're all fired up and Scott doc. just like, I'm going to check out here. Ari, you freak out. I'm going to just lay back. And, and when you guys want rational opinion, I'll come back. Into this thing. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let, let's let's talk Big Ten West, Scott, because you you mentioned Minnesota earlier. There's somebody we haven't talked about yet. Yeah. We talked about Iowa. We talked about Nebraska. We talked about Minnesota. We talked about Purdue. The Badgers. Yes. What, it feels like this is when... Wisconsin needs to reassert itself. They do. And they have one humongous punch and they've got a lot of work to do in a lot of other areas. They have as good of a running back as there is in the country in Braylon Allen. As a 17 year old, he was, you know, six to 240 last year, just rolling, you know, kind of like Ron Dane with a little more speed. Yeah. So I think he's going to be just a, a, a hellion. You know, last year he had almost 1,300 yards. Didn't start till about halfway through the season. Uh, almost seven yards a carry as a 17-year-old. So <laughs> <Golly>. <laughs> this guy is going to be a machine. Um, after that, though, the other side of the offense, I, I, I'm sure you guys have watched the end of Rocky too, where uh, you know of both of them hit the hit the you know canvas and they're climbing up. They're climbing up. You know, and appropriately, they're wearing you know red and white and black and gold, and that's kind of the two teams in the West and their quarterback situations, and their passing game situations. Like whoever can drag themselves up off the canvas and stand at the end of the count is going to be the probably the champion here because you look at Graham Mertz and what happened in his first game, and then what's happened since is just nightmarish i mean he was what 20 to 21 for five touchdowns in his debut during the covid year then he got Ari was was very much stars mattering that one yeah that was that one point. of the best nights of my life uh <laughs> if we're being honest and then oh boy kind of yeah. went off the rails a little bit but um you know well and you had the caleb williams flirtation yeah. new oc which felt like a play to try to get caleb williams yeah and uh you know he 10 touchdowns 11 interceptions less than a 60% completion percentage. They lost their th top three pass catchers and Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor and, and Jake Ferguson, who's Barry Alvarez's grandson had been there seemingly since, you know, 2008 or so. It just felt that way. I think Davis was a six year guy. And uh, so they're replacing everybody out of their pass catching uh, realm. And then they also lose some linemen. So offensively they'll run the ball effectively, the you know the gap counter will be as you know as good as ever, but defensively, you know they they seem to replace linebackers better than any kind uh, program I've seen. Uh, you know they still have Nick Herbig who will be an outstanding maybe All American, but uh, you know Leo Chanel was terrific last year. Jack Sanborn played a long time, so defensively they're they still should be okay. 
but it's well, really still have good. Jim Leonard too, who, yeah. who shows no interest in Jim Leonard. Such an interesting case to me because he was a very good NFL player for a long time. He made all his money. He doesn't need to go become a head coach somewhere just to just to maybe become a millionaire. That doesn't matter. And so we get to watch him put out great defense after great defense here. If everybody wants a game to just circle on the calendar, mm -hmm. September 10th, Washington State goes to Wisconsin. So Washington State, new offense, which actually their old offense from when Mike Leach mm -hmm. was there. But they hired Eric Morris, who had been the head coach at Incarnate Word, which is an FCS school in San Antonio. He's from the, the Leach, Cliff Kingsbury, mm -hmm. Air Raid tree. But he also brings along, now this guy also had lots of other options, including Ole Miss, but Cam Ward, who was the quarterback in Incarnate Word, who mm -hmm. was a revelation. Nobody knew about him because he didn't throw the ball at all in high school, so he became a star. But I can't wait to see Jim Leonard's defense against that offense. That is going to be mm -hmm. so much fun. And I'm going to be interested to see if, if Washington State can tackle Braylon Allen, too. I, I, yeah, I'm the, betting no. So <laughs> I'm betting eight yards, nine yards a carry. But, you know, so I think Wisconsin is in there. It's it's if Graham Burtz can emerge or reemerge and be the guy that they expected him to wanted him to be, then they'll be they'll be good. They'll be the best team in the West. But Iowa right now is the best team in the West because it has 14 starters returning. Last year was a bad year for them running the football, but they've kind of they've shifted around a few things. But it's going to be about passing game with them as well. They have the best tight end in the Big Ten in Sam Laporta. Probably, I would say, behind Bowers and Meyer, probably the third best in the country. Uh, one of the best seasons. It was very underrated, but you know had one of the best receiving seasons Iowa's ever had from tight end. More than T.J. Hawkins and Noah Fant. Or that, that's Kim crazy to me. Like. That list is is just insane. And I th th here's my thing with, with that, Scott. Especially now that tight end has become such a valuable position at the NFL level and at the college level. When you look at what George is doing with Brock Bowers, mm -hmm. they got to get more out of it. When they, they have the guys. Like, the guys go to Iowa because they know they're going to get developed and, and get put in the NFL. That should be a massive weapon, and it feels like it's mm -hmm. not. It wasn't as much the last couple of years because they were growing. It was when they Hawkins, had Fanton Hawkinson. Yes, it was definitely. And before that, the problem was both of them left after year three, even when they staggered their um, their classes. Fant played as a true freshman. Hawkinson didn't. But they both emerged at about the same time they both left. And then they were like, okay, we, we're not quite filling this hole right now. But they are back there. Luke Lachey, Jim Lachey's kid. Um is is their number two, and he's he's legit. He's going to be, I mean, six seven jumps out of the gym, and he's finally now filling out to way his dad was. So he'll be a full service tight end, and then and then they have another one too. So uh, it, it's going to be about you know wide receivers. Two of their wide receivers went to Purdue. That was kind of a big deal, you know, one at the end of last year. But then Charlie Jones, who's the Big Ten's kick to turn specialist of the year, transferred after graduation because Aiden O'Connell was his best friend in the Chicagoland area and said, Hey, why don't you come play for us? I'll throw you the ball. I throw the ball pretty well. And Jeff Brom calls a lot of passes. Yes, exactly. Now you're not going to get two and a half targets a game. You might get five or 10, you know? So, so that it's going to be interesting because of the styles, the Minnesota's in the same boat as Iowa and Wisconsin, but they lost a lot of offensive linemen. They have the best center, maybe even in the country, but they don't have a lot of fraternities uh, on the other positions. Then Purdue losing David Bell, losing George Karloftis. I'm not sure that they have the studs that they once had that could just wreak havoc. Rondell Moore and all well, those. That, that's, Milton Wright. That's why I wonder, Scott, is, is this the opening for Minnesota? Mm -hmm. It is. No question. And, uh, you know, a really sneaky game on the Big Ten schedule to me is September 24th, Minnesota at Michigan State. I think this game could, could determine which one is, you know, whether Minnesota is a contender in the West or if Michigan State could be the second best team in the Big Ten, uh, just based on what happens in that game. Uh, I cannot wait, Scott. Uh, you, when you drive to an event, ten, sometimes you bring an ice chest <laughs> and you load it up with with all sorts of goodness. It, if if you had a dream ice chest to, to bring to Big Ten media days. What, what would it contain? 
Well, I, I think I would have to bring, you know, some of the beer here, you know, the 1939 uh, Amber Ale, which mm. uh, is, uh, you know, was named after the Iowa's famous Ironman with, with Niall Kinnick. I, I would start there. And then I probably have to, for the IPA fans, I probably have to go with a pseudo Sioux from, from toppling Goliath in Northeast Iowa. That is, that's probably one of the favorite brews from this part of the world. Can I ask a, would you rather before we get out of here? Absolutely. Ari. Of course. You know, when you check into an, uh, into like a Vegas hotel or a, a casino hotel, the TV's always on and they have like Mario Lopez, like telling you about all the that's, cool that's things. That's not even in Vegas. That's everywhere yeah. in the country. Mario you know, Lopez like, is talking about yes, the movies. Yes. You know, and they have it on loop. So there's like 10 mm. different commercials and it just mm. keeps going back and forth. Oh no. Would you rather get strapped to a chair and have to watch that on loop <laughs> for a day straight, or would you rather watch a collection of Iowa's 10 worst offensive possessions on loop for a day straight? I will take Mario because I know it ends. I think if Mario, if I had to have Mario indefinitely, I might go with Iowa. It's the same amount of time. Yeah, I know, but I feel like Mario, he just brings more energy than Iowa's 10 worst offensive possessions. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to go I, I'm going to go with Iowa's because I've done that. Oh <laughs> <laughs> you know, oh, there nothing- were a few there were a few games last year when Iowa creeped into the top 5 where I was like watching and I'm just like, "What? Like my eyes were bleeding. <laughs> what yeah. is happening?" Yeah, I know. <laughs> And that's what it, if they could have just and and Scott and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, a little more downhill running would have done them a, a lot of good. That may be what we see from them this year because if you, you go back to the Kentucky game, uh, Tyler Goodson had already opted out. What do we say, Scott? Five point seven seven yards a carry. It was the best game they had all year, and that was against a pretty good defense. Yeah, they the two guys that came in, Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams, both are freshmen, and they they kind of switched off and on, and they are down one cut go, and of course they ran a lot of inside zone behind Tyler Linderbaum, and that really worked. But but by and large, that's that was better for them. Tyler Goodson was really good shifty guys with the Packers now, but a lot of times on outside zone, if it wasn't there and they had new tackles last year, then what he would do is try to dance around and move. And it was second 13 so many times that, yeah, I could watch that on a loop and, and think, uh, you know, yeah, I wish I was in saw or something. (laughs) Saw. Yeah. I just thought like, I've always thought like it'd be torture to have to sit and listen to that and go down to the lobby and check out the there's there's prime a worse steakhouse. one if you if you stay in one of the Universal Studios hotels, uh, they have an ad. They, they had an ad for one of the Fast and Furious, whichever the first one that didn't have the Rock or Jason Statham in it in a while, and it's just Vin Diesel, and he clearly was just not into filming it that day, and he's like, yeah, come watch my lot line uh, movie movie. Uh. And it was oh. just like oh, over and over and over again. It was horrendous. So that one, that one, I might just go with the Iowa one. Yeah. Sorry, but okay. You, okay. you, your, your mind is a dark, twisted place. <laughs> I'm just like thinking, like, what would you not want to watch on repeat over and over and over again? And I was just like, that, that would be terrible. But like watching Iowa made me, I was anxious just watching it. Like it made <laughs> that, me uncomfortable. Like I don't. <laughs> because honestly, uh, they were a a competent solid offense away from winning a lot of games last year. They won the big 10 West. I mean, no, no, won. I'm saying like yeah. further on. And like, honestly, mm-hmm. if, if Iowa's offense was even remotely competent, they could have played with Michigan in the big 10 championship and maybe won the big 10. Last Correct. Year. Yeah. And it went downhill when they had that uh, full uh, halfback option pass. And then all of a sudden uh, they had a fullback run in the route and it went past his hands i mean it was that'll teach you to get fancy kirk ferentz there's a uh, medical term for that scott it's called grab ass and if you have to if you have to play grab ass in the middle of a college football game then that's the problem okay <laughs> it's it's funny though we just sat we just sat here talking about how they're never creative they never do anything and they finally try something no creative and, and desperate are too. different <laughs> yeah, it, it was a great call it was one of the very few great calls but it was yeah. a great call it just didn't work well i'm not sure if we're creative or desperate i think we're probably a little bit of both but this has been a pleasure, gentlemen. I hope everybody enjoyed. It'll drop in your podcast feeds, even though we're doing these live on YouTube when we do them. 
Uh, it's still going to drop in your podcast feeds every day. So uh, smash that subscribe button on YouTube. Smash the subscribe. I don't think we call it subscribe anymore on, on Apple Podcasts. I think it's follow now. So please follow, oh, follow. us on, on Apple Podcasts. And uh, leave leave your reviews, leave your questions. And you can always ask questions here. Sad Night 65 keeps asking if, if he can call in. No, we can see what you type. If you'd like to ask us a question, type a question. Mm -hmm. So, like, can you call in? You asked and I answered. It's it's a great little give and take we have here. But no, if you want to heckle us, you know, talk to us while we're while we're doing the show, we're gonna let you know on social media when we're when we're about to broadcast. You can pop on and it'll still feel like if you, you know, if you want to make sure you listen to it when you have time. If you're a dog walker, listen. If you're a mow the lawn, listen. Well, we'll be there for you wherever you get your podcast. So thanks so much for listening. Talk to you again soon. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.